Hello, hello, and welcome to Sex with D. I'm your host, D Luna, and this is a safe space. So let's talk about sex, baby. <laughs> okay, so I'll work on my intro. It's a bit of a work in progress. But today's episode is a deep dive from Down Under. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> I'm so sorry. I'll leave the cheese behind and just <laughs> I'll launch straight into it. This is the history of sex toys. Now, in 2023, we have AI-assisted robots that you can fuck. We have vibrators that your partner can use on you from across the other side of the country. We have so much advanced and diverse playthings. <laughs> what a time to be alive, lonely and horny, hey? <laughs> but where did it all begin? Going back to the Stone Age, as soon as we started making tools, people would have started making things to pleasure themselves. Let's jump into 29,000 BC, Germany. They had been carving stone into dicks for quite a while by this point. <laughs> we can only use our imagination whether they were using them for fertility ceremonies or whether they were actually fucking these stone dildos. Around the same time in Scandinavia, they were using elk bones and antlers. Ooh, antlers. So, yeah, I guess, you know, being creative with what they had at hand. <laughs> but that's where it all began. It's, it's, it's as old as we are, you know. That's why nobody should be ashamed. No shame here. But let's jump into 500 BC and the ancient Greeks, those freaks. <laughs> they were making it art out of dildos. They were making them out of brass, out of stuffed leather, you name it. They were finding it and they were fucking it. Not to mention all the orgies and <laughs> debauchery. But, you know, we can only go on what we learn on TV and in history books. His story is not always accurate. Let's jump to the 1300s in China. It's around about this time frame that we start finding cock rings made from goat eyelids. Yes, Goat eyelids. Wow. Now that's creative. And it was also around this time in China that they created the first double-sided dildo. Oh, bravo. Bravo. Okay, that's enough of that. <laughs> so jumping to the 1600s, and French sailors would take women made from straw to sea, and they would have sex with these straw women. They were your first ever sex doll. Enjoy that scratchy goodness. <laughs> but I suppose if you're lonely, you might shag anything. Around this time as well, Shakespeare started mentioning dildos, particularly in the play A Winter's Tale. I got that off the internet, so if it's wrong, don't blame me. <laughs> In 1800s England, well, I'm sure most of us have seen the movie Hysteria. It's actually pretty cool. If you haven't seen it, go watch it. Between the 1800s and like the 1950s, women were constantly being diagnosed with hysteria when they were just anxious, 
Or maybe they just didn't like their husband and they were a bit of a handful, (laughs) you know. So doctors were like, that's it. It's hysteria. And um, one of the cures for hysteria or one of the treatments, I should say, was manual stimulation of the genitals, of the clitoris and of the G-spot. So women would go to the doctors and basically get a hand job. After years of this, doctors came together and were like, you know, well, a couple of doctors were like, hey, my hand hurts and I'm getting all these cramps. This is the, this is the urban legend, by the way. I think it's been disproved, this whole thing, but well, you know, it's a fun story, so I'll keep going. <laughs> so they had like cramps in their hands and an American doctor named George Taylor, he invents a steam-operated manipulator. And then came along Dr. Joseph Mortimer Granville, and apparently he called it the hammer or Granville's hammer. (laughs) But anyway, a lot of people say this is just an urban legend and it's not actually true that the actual origin of the vibrator was just simply a massaging wand and women would buy it and somehow, you know, discover (laughs) it not only helped with muscle pain, but, um, you know, also gave relief in other ways. <laughs> so I guess we'll never know. Was the vibrator really created by doctors who had sore hands from masturbating women all day? Or was it just made for muscle cramps? <laughs> Pick one. <laughs> so along came the early 60s and a man who was suffering from impotence he gets his friend who who makes like dummies he's a ventriloquist (laughs) he gets his friend to make the very first strap-on penis then in the late 60s men's magazines started promoting blow-up sex dolls and advertisers started advertising their sex toys such as blow-up dolls so sex toys for men were truly picking up by this point it wasn't just about the girls (laughs) In the 70s, it kind of became a symbol of female empowerment, though. Women really saw it as, you know, well, we don't need men anymore. (laughs) I mean, as a woman, I can 100% say I would rather a real cock over a vibrator or a dildo any day. So, you know, I guess it it depends on where you're coming from. Though the human being attached to that, that cock has to also, you know, be nice as well. So in the 70s, um, a lady named Del Williams, she had been humiliated buying a vibrating wand in a department store. So she decided to go about making herself a female-friendly sex shop and she called it Eve's Garden and that was pretty much the beginning, the making of the modern-day sex shop. Now let's jump way into 1995 (laughs) and the fleshlight was invented Apparently, it was originally made for sperm donors, like as a way to catch the sperm. (laughs) And the creators of it realized that they could market it and sell it as a a pleasure toy. So that was where that came from. I thought that was pretty interesting. The pussy pocket. Classic, hey? So in 1997, real dolls came along. So that's around the time where they started making dolls out of silicon, with like moving joints and like all these features to make it a more real experience. By 1998, dual vagina and clitorial stimulators became very popular, especially 
because of the TV series Sex and the City. There was an episode featuring the rabbit. I remember this episode. I loved that TV show growing up. I I can say with, with all confidence I've seen every single episode of Sex and the City and I definitely remember the rabbit one. It was... <laughs> It was huge. It was a, a cult classic moment, I think, in 90s TV. Oprah even, she endorsed it. <laughs> she endorsed the rabbit saying it was the Rolls Royce of sex toys. And I've used the rabbit myself. Pretty much the rabbit was my first ever sex toy. It was, oh, <laughs> like a really long time ago now. It was maybe, no, no, 20 or something when I got it. I'd say it's a good one. It's still a classic to this day and still a favorite used by many women. Now, I mean, like moving forward into the 21st century, we all know what's going on with the internet and evolving tech. Research says half of the world's adults have used a toy regularly. I mean, I'd believe that. It's 2023. The internet is like, it's like nothing we've ever experienced before. I mean, once upon a time, as a woman, if I wanted to buy a sex toy, I'd have to go into the back alley, backstairs, sex toy experience. I mean, the old, the old-fashioned sex shop. Some of them are like on the street or whatever, but you know what I mean. Like you just feel like there's a little bit of shadiness to it. <laughs> so it probably stopped it from being accessible to a lot of people. And I personally remember a big moment for me, and more even just for my generation or for women around my age, and probably even younger, before the internet really blew up. A thing that made sex toys more accessible was definitely the sex toy parties. So it was designed like a pyramid scheme, so like Tupperware. <laughs> so so women would have these side hustles or full-time jobs where they would do these sex toy parties and it was just a lot of fun and it was a fun thing particularly for hens parties and, I mean, those kinds of things. So it was just a fun thing to do with your friends. And it always involved alcohol. It always involved passing around massive dildos, touching them, laughing, you know. And then at the end of it, you could just discreetly go up to the lady who was hosting it and or the sh- person who was selling it, and you could just put in your order. And, but, yeah, it was such a laugh. I had some of the most fun experiences at these sex toy parties They were a hoot and I'm sure they still exist, but I think just now because we have the internet is so prevalent, we can go on to any sex shop and buy anything we want and it's, yeah, it's all there. If you had enough money, you'd you'd try it all, I think. (laughs) Like I've always been really curious about things, but they do cost a lot of money. Like maybe those machines, you know, (laughs) the fucking machines, I think. Sometimes when I am using a dildo or, some, or something, I think, oh, it'd be so much easier to have a fucking machine or a man, right? <laughs> but anyway, that was my deep dive. I think it's an amazing journey for a woman to explore her own sexuality, whether it's through using her fingers, using toys, whatever that may be. It's vital. I feel like if you don't know how to satisfy yourself if you can't make yourself have an orgasm. If you don't know how your own body works, how do you expect your partner to know or figure it out? Or I don't know. I just think that's where it begins. It begins with self-love. It's a valuable journey for every woman to buy that first vibrator or dildo or vibrating egg, whatever it may be. (laughs) I think at this point, I'm probably just rambling on. 
Now, I really want to also digress a little bit and just say thank you for listening up to this point. If you've made it this far, I really appreciate it. And I just want to say I haven't really been that active putting this podcast out there because there's a few reasons. Originally, when I started, I was going to make this podcast basically just to talk about OnlyFans and the sex industry because I was in the industry at the time. But because of different things, um, mental health, some sort of more toxic elements of doing that kind of work, and just through my life progressing somewhere else, I no longer do that. And I didn't know what else to do with this podcast. I didn't know where to go from there sort of thing. I I initially was going to interview sex workers and people in the industry, and I still am planning on doing that. I still want to explore those things, interview people, get other people's perspective. But I wanted to broaden it now and just basically have this as a place where I can just talk about sex, literally anything, whatever the topic happens to be that I decide to just (laughs) shoot the shit about on that particular day. I've just decided to sit down at the mic, not overthink it and just do it. Obviously with today's episode, I did a little bit of research. And when I say a little bit of research, literally 10 minutes online, just taking some dates and some sort of major points throughout history that I thought were relevant to how we got from the Stone Age stone dildo right through to AI robots that we can fuck. As for future episodes, who knows, but I'm going to really try and do it every week. I know I've said this in the past and if you go back and I've actually, I did put out another episode a week ago, but I've taken it down. I mean, that might happen occasionally. Because I just changed my mind about what I've put out there. And the other thing with this podcast being about sex as well, it's a little bit problematic to promote. It makes it just a little bit difficult. But places like Facebook and Instagram and other places I normally promote myself because I'm a musician, so I'm, I'm very active on those platforms, especially Instagram. I just find that I can't really talk about sex. <laughs> the algorithms don't like it. But anyway, I've digressed and... Now I'm just talking rubbish, so I'm going to wrap it up right there and say thank you again for joining me. And I'm excited, actually, to come up with more fun kind of sex topics to talk about. I don't want it to be shameful. I just, and I don't want it to necessarily be in the gutter, but I've got to admit, my humour is in the gutter, so (laughs) we could end up there. But hey, if you continue to follow me, then that's where you want to be as well. So we could, we could be in the gutter together and have a great, great old laugh. Whatever you are, whatever you do, don't forget to spread the love. Yeah.